0: all right this is the coast-to-coast Coast combat hour as always ed carbajal matthew hawkins coming at you on hump day wednesday a rare wednesday uh returning with us this week is cup Man matt marsden this episode is brought to you by allaccessmma.com please visit allaccessmma for your mma news mr marsden How's, how's it been going with, uh, how's Connecticut fights going without me?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> awful, awful, because we yeah. have no, no good show day roll days anymore. Everyone's so, uh, uh, the <laughs> show right from the start, so just getting off to a bad foot. Now, uh, things things have been well. Uh, you know, I, I, they've been going at a good clip now, and uh, I think everybody's just really stoked to be back at it, you know, and have so many shows to be right in a row. That was the biggest thing you just heard everybody say when they got back, how bored they were so we're happy to have a job again
1: yeah
3: so let's let's kind of go back to the start of this um i believe it was march 15th or so 13th when the North when the 13th. Uh, 13th when the uh when the bellator event was canceled out there in connecticut um luckily ed avoided getting on any trains uh the day the day it was canceled but what was uh behind the scenes with as much as you can tell us what was the was were you involved i mean i know you're not involved with the the decision making per se, but what was it like behind the scenes when when they were trying to figure out what what to do at this point it, back in March?
2: So, uh, you know, all all the uh, the department heads, we were all on calls together all day long, uh, going over the the real fear I can tell you on Bellator's end was that uh, there was a big press conference that was supposed to be that that evening uh, that the president was going to put out. And it was somewhat expected that he might ground all air travel. And that was really one of the bigger concerns that Bellator had was, you know, should they ground all air travel, you know, like by midnight? uh, And we have all these fighters and staff from all over the world and they can't get out, you know, what are we going to do? So uh, fighter safety was was obviously paramount because it's bad enough to ground air travel. You know, that's a good enough reason right there not to have a show. But the speed at which they moved was, you know, partially pushed by just wanting to make sure everyone was able to get home.
0: That was like my biggest concern. I remember I was, uh, you know, I I was going to go out there. I forgot what day it was, the day before, because I was I was in New York for the for the summer, spring announcement for the events. So I was at that media event in New York and then I was going to I was going to take a train out there. I believe it was Wednesday. Yeah. So I was gonna take the train out there Wednesday, and um, I think you and I were messaging each other too, uh, because uh, I was, you know, we do the show day roll thing, and and I was just kind of like, my biggest concern was like, I don't want to go to Connecticut and then not be able to get
1: home. Yeah,
2: that's exactly <laughs> what we were talking about that day. I remember, and it. it was just yeah. like you you were you were kind of asking me like, is it gonna go? And I'm like, man, I don't I don't know. <laughs> you know, it well, was I, I think it was three o'clock. It was three p.m. before yeah. the final. Like you know, no not going to do it and then yeah. really on the heels of uh we started questioning uh basically contact tracing our own people yeah it's like some of the first public cases came out we were contact. we were like ah we can't you know and then that's when, kind of when like legal gets involved yeah we can't say you know that we didn't have any contact with these people so we got to shut it down it was, it was uh, a wild day we all got what? paid though that's the most important. Yeah.
0: well, I I know he yeah. put that out there uh, that, that everybody got paid like from top to bottom, uh, which was cool. I, I honestly, I think I like the way Bellator handled it for, you know, instead of trying to force anything to happen. I mean, cause uh, you know, with the UFC going forward, I mean, as, as much as you can commend them for, for doing something, you know, Dana White, or especially during the beginning there, he's complaining about how expensive it is. So, you know, the money you save is money that you can use for you know better arranged, you know better pay for fighters and things like that. But, um, didn't you? Because uh, you literally, if I'm remembering right, I'm I'm it might be someone else that I'm thinking of. It might be Nolan King I'm thinking of, but because I was talking to you and him that whole week, didn't you like get there that day and have to go right back home the same day or something like that? Did uh, you? That must
2: have been Nolan. I got there the day before, actually. Okay. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Still less than a 24-hour turnaround time, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was just the day before. Uh, what was the overall story oh, about what? Nolan uh, that just happened? Uh, it was the first show back of this new uh, series that we've been doing, and I'm there. You know, my wife works uh, as a cut man for Bellator as well, and she was with me on that show, so we were obviously in a hotel room together. I, I get my key from the front desk. I roll up to the room. Bro- you know, I just go in. The key unlocks the door. There's Nolan. Like sitting at his computer, you know, just chilling out in his room and they just gave me a key to Nolan's room for whatever reason. And he was like, uh he just looked at me and he was like, occupied. I was <laughs> like, so no, I'm so sorry. You know? And I I don't even know what happened, but yeah, they ended up giving me a key to Nolan's room and then my wife and I just barged in on him. Like thankfully he was just, you know, I don't know, typing or anything.
0: Was, he, I mean, he wasn't rubbing <laughs> himself in Krispy Kremes yeah, or nothing no. like that. <laughs> it was like crazy. Yeah. I wasn't in
2: a furry costume or anything, you know. I mean, yeah. would have been. I mean, I would have pictures then. I suppose.
1: <laughs> uh, so,
3: so when they did decide to call it, obviously there had to have been some kind of confusion about from people that were there. Um, you said that was it made pretty clear pretty quickly to everybody involved that they would be paid. Was there? Was there? Uh, was there anybody who was disappointed? I mean, I guess there was disappointment. Was there anybody that uh, angry over the situation?
2: Um, I didn't see anybody angry. Everyone was just really confused, like scared Mm -hmm. and confused. Like at the time we didn't know what this was. So we still don't really to an extent, but you know, it was extremely frightening back then because it was just like all these, it was just so crazy and it seemed out of nowhere is what it felt like. And, uh, so everybody was just, they just wanted to go home. Uh, there were a couple of fighters that, that, I think were disappointed, and then when they found out they were getting paid, they were like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." You know, uh, I didn't see anybody really question it, um, and they took great care of everyone. I knew within an hour of the show being canceled that all of my people were being paid. It was told to me, uh, and I believe it was communicated the exact same way to the fighters through the, uh, the call chain that we have with our office department. So That's and, and good then
3: because- we've. You know, we- I was just going to say, is that something that, um, as we fast-forwarded through time here over the, you know, March, April, May, June, is that did they, um, did they keep? Were, were you guys kept on a payroll? Um, were you
2: just financially uh, not, stable uh, enough
3: to be able to to make it through?
2: I lucky, um, I uh, I have a wife whose job, you know, she was a, she's a college professor. Uh, so even though it was her off time over the summer and things were shut down, she still received her salary, reduced salary, but she still was getting something. And then um, we'll just, uh, I don't know, we're both uh, savers, I guess. We had a lot of, we you know, we, we kept to the whole, like, have three months saved up sort of thing. And then uh, the gig worker checks on my end. Um, but if you were a full-time Bellator employee, uh, then you were absolutely kept on. Nobody was let go. But if you were a project based employee, somebody like a cut man or um, like maybe a camera utility or somebody like that, that might be interchangeable from show to show, uh, then you know, you're just paid for that last show that you didn't work, but otherwise nothing.
0: So um, you're I mean, because you you're based you live in Florida, right? Yes. So so coming up, coming up to uh, one of these states that that has people quarantine or whatever uh, for a little while um i mean i know I, I i i've heard enough about the the protocols in place but how often do um how often like is it extra for you because of where you're coming from or or i mean or um, are you kind of exempt because they, uh, they they test so much i would imagine it doesn't matter yeah. right
2: so uh you know we're tested before we fly out and <laughs> then we're tested on the day we get there or um, the next morning after we get there so let's say you 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 land you're gonna land on a monday right You'll have been tested on Saturday before you even fly out, and then you'll fly in Monday. Uh, Tuesday morning, you'll get a test again, and you'll stay quarantined during that test, uh, and then you'll be tested again on weigh-in morning. So you tested three times before the show in the week leading up to this show. Now, as far as that coming from Florida to uh, Connecticut, um, I have copies of my tests, and as long as I have a test within 72 hours of my arrival, uh, then mm. I'm cleared uh, through the quarantine.
3: So for the two events that Bellator's had so far, you've been tested about six times?
2: Uh, That's correct, yeah.
3: So then, uh, okay, so we we get through this. UFC starts putting on some shows. Um, Was there a trigger, anything that triggered Bellator wanting to get started? Was it just, did they have a target date that was kind of behind the scenes for a while? Because I know as a huge Bellator fan, as Ed is also, we... uh, he dropped off. His camera goes out occasionally, so he'll be back in a second. But uh, was there was there a date behind the scenes where you kind of knew that they were targeting, or was it like us where we we're kind of worried? And I mean, I know you're probably less worried. you you know, guys involved. As a fan, I was kind of concerned that any kind of layoff like this for any sporting organization could could not be great. Um, did they, um, Did you know of anything behind the scenes?
2: So nobody was really worried. Um, it was actually looked at as a positive. Um, I'll get into that in a second. Now, as far as the date, that really was in flux. Um, it was really more we were waiting on uh, on our legal department uh, through uh, Viacom to come to the right arrangement with the Mohegan Sun Athletic Commission as to what our fight sphere would be and what that would look like, wow. uh, testing and everything like that. So the date kept moving as you know more people got involved, I guess, <laughs> like more lawyers got involved and the date kept moving. Until, uh, uh, and then you have to add into that, that we're sharing the space with Showbox as well. So mm-hmm. it had to be on a timeframe that worked out for them. Uh, and then, so we finally got going. Uh, so that was, it, it was, it was always in flux as far as the day going uh, when we were going to start. So we're, we're pretty full tilt boogie to the end of the year. We have a lot of planned dates as it is. Um, but as far as anybody being afraid, no, because we were already planning on the transition over to CBS sports. And so we kind of took this as the opportunity to get a lot of that work done and get all of that hammered out. So it was kind of like a welcome break, honestly, to just hit pause and get things ready to go for that. So there was constant let me ask communication. You something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We all talk to each other. So, every day.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you something. Since you guys talk to each other every day, who came up with FightSphere? <laughs> because I feel I feel like uh Thunderdome or something could have been like something a little more something a little more uh, cooler.
2: <laughs> it was a collaborative effort uh through our PR department and our social media department, but ultimately Scott signed off on it. So I, I can't All honestly right. tell you who came up with the idea. It was probably late at night, two AM, you know, sort of thing. Someone said fight spear, you know, and, <laughs> and that was it. But uh is, I think uh, the direct author was.
0: Do you know if uh, Showtime or Showbox is calling it Fight Sphere as well, or, or are they calling it like their Box Bubble are. or
2: something? I know that they're using a completely <laughs> different like set. Even like they come in and move all of our stuff around, and then we come in and move it all back. Uh, and it's kind of this little passive aggressive thing. You know, yeah, it's just,
0: weird like, though because I've watched a couple. Over here, you know <laughs> <laughs> you what's know, weird though? I like I've watched I watched that first weekend that boxing was that they used it for boxing, and it's funny because I can still see. I can still see the the Bellator imprint, if you will, in yeah. the in the in what they're using. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I like it though. It's a good move.
2: Yeah, I mean it's worked out for everyone. Uh, like the, the hotel space, just the, the ability of the Mohegan Sun to be able to handle all of our food needs. Um, Bellator is being more than generous with our food needs. Uh, because then not you know, I mean like I get there, for instance, and I have to quarantine in my room right away once I get there until I take my test and get the results back from that one. Like, there's a meal waiting for me. Like, I'm in my room for no less than 10 minutes, and like, they told the kitchen, and there's a meal waiting for me outside my door. They just knock and be nice. And then, same thing the next morning because I can't leave to go get breakfast. So, one just shows up after I go get my test, you know. And then, uh, they've taken care of you've got vouchers for the restaurants uh, all over the casino. We can't eat in them uh but we can get takeaway and then uh we have full use of the uh room service and we actually have a sectioned off area within the employee dining hall as well so we can use their cafeteria. Oh, so cool. uh, you're getting employee vouchers, you're getting restaurant vouchers, you're getting cash per diem, and you're getting food delivered for free. So uh most of us are gaining weight on the uh Bellator <laughs> diet at this point. <laughs> is the
3: Mohegan sun is the
2: casino completely shut down or you guys just no, put it to um, a side of it. Uh, we're just kind of, we have our own tower of the hotel, uh, because their hotel is from, like, not exactly a capacity, right? Now.
0: You know, Matt doesn't read my articles. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: uh, and then, uh, there's just certain areas we can and can't go to. Uh, but just generally we can't, uh, go out and mingle anywhere, uh, even to work out. So if you're a fighter, uh, what used to be the areas where, you know, fans would be coming in and out of the, uh, the Mohegan sun into the actual stadium itself. That's, you know, there's no fans. So we have pipe and drape individual locker rooms are so each about, I don't know, probably about like 10 by 15. Uh, they have mats down. They each have their own treadmill, their own bike. Uh, it's cordoned off just for them. And everybody is training all on their own, all individually. And then it's cleaned down after everything. So like we can't use like the hotel gym, you know, for instance, yeah. And then uh, we we have a ton of those personal saunas that we essentially just buy for each fighter and then they can just use those to sit in if they would prefer to use a sauna. to that way.
0: Yeah, I like that setup. Uh I saw the uh the images and stuff in the when they put out the press le- release about the protocols. Um I really do like what they're There's a video on it too on Belter's YouTube channel just yeah. showing everything you talked about the 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 closed off areas and stuff like that. So when you uh your first event I, uh, I already forget the number I'm sorry for for, for my numbers uh, are off because two, two 41 maybe or 242 yeah, I like think that. it was right yeah, yeah. um yeah. so, so <laughs> what 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 was it like working it I mean I know it was it was uh, the smaller of all their cards they've been getting bigger as we move along but what was it like working uh you know the, your first event back after everything going on
2: uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't nerve wracking. It wasn't nervous for me at all, as far as the show itself. Uh, just because I knew that I was in an area where everyone had just been tested like crazy, so I felt really safe in the closed environment of the set and the show. Uh, it was definitely weird not to have fans, but it's something I dealt with before when we did uh, Fight Master uh, mm. down in New Orleans. That was on a closed set, so we didn't have any fans there. Uh, so, uh, I always feel bad for the fighters. Always worry about how that's going to affect them because it it does quite often. Um, hmm. As far as as the show itself, um, I thought it went really smoothly. I, I liked everything that I saw. Uh, you know, and it was the little things that you kind of had to learn, like go, like you used to go to craft services and grab a candy bar or a soda backstage. Now you have to go and stand behind the gate and ask, "Can I please have that Snickers bar?" you know and then you feel fat so then you don't go ask for a snickers bar at all and so i I went to the craft services manager the other day and i said has our craft services bill gone down like exponentially since all this and she's like you have no idea nobody eats anything because they're all embarrassed to ask for it she's (laughs) like when they could come up and grab it themselves they are here all day she's like now nobody comes over at all so uh You know, it's just, it's the the little things like that, but it's also spurred some improvement. It's pushed us to go completely paperless with all of our payroll and things like that, which is just a positive in general. Um, We're a lot more clean. I mean, you can never be too clean. I don't want ringworm, you know, on any of my mats (laughs) or anything like that. just like the gym. So, uh, you know, it's, it's made us tightened up in places where, you know, probably everybody was a little loose from the gym to the promotion. So, you know, I, it's been good in some ways. Um, I'm eating, like I said, I'm eating better than I ever have. So that's another solid, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's has any, to, you know, the, the only thing that made me nervous was the flights, the flights to mm. and from Connecticut. Yeah. They still make me nervous. Like that's it. it is, I'm on it's American weird, Air huh? Air
3: it is weird yeah, flying. I, I, the only
2: I, ones full planes, like no distancing, nothing like that. They're just wow. like, like Delta is not selling any middle seats, you know? And in first class, <laughs> it's only every other, but like Americans like, fuck that. You're like, no, sorry, I can't, I don't know if I can curse on this show. Yeah, They're you're fine. That. <laughs> uh, you know, we're selling everything. And, and, uh, so that's the only time I kind of feel a little like nervous, but once I get to the Mohegan sun, like I'm, I'm cool. Like I feel like in a little bubble, like the boy in the plastic bubble. Like I'm fine once I get there.
3: I wasn't aware about American Airlines. I flew Delta and I flew Alaska, and I was I flew by myself. So in both situations, they were real. It was real cool because they basically called me up there and gave me my own row um, on one of the oh, flights, nice. and then on one they made sure that there was nobody in the middle seat, and they put me with another single person that was on, on the outside of the aisle. So I didn't I didn't know that, but definitely weird uh, being a ghost town in a San Diego airport at five you know yeah. four thirty on a Friday yeah. afternoon when it would normally be jumping and there's you know 35 people in the entire terminal
2: you know there's there's been quite a few airports that i've been to that have been just absolutely dead but then other ones i've noticed like orlando uh it is just as popping because disney's open you know mm. universal studios open all of that stuff and uh somebody's asked me the other day how like how it was there and i was like well you have to realize that the people that are willing to to get on a plane and fly to Disney during a pandemic aren't exactly the people who are worried about taking a lot of precautions to begin with. I mean, they're already willing to get on a plane and fly to Disney in the middle of a pandemic. So they're probably going to be the type of people who don't really think that, uh, that masks are are a good thing or that social distancing matters and stuff. So at places like the Orlando airport, your tourist heavy airports, you're still seeing a lot of like, like the, the aggression and the animosity. Like I see more fights at the Orlando airport now than I've seen at any airport. (laughs) like in the history of time because like uh, people are just angry at each other out there <laughs> you know, so. I'll, I'll admit when i
3: sat in the terminal and as as play you know you get about an hour away from the flight and it starts to fill up a little bit and everybody's sitting every other seat i'll admit i was the first one to go well if chandler and henderson decided to fight in front of me right now i, I couldn't do it it wouldn't be safe but i could sit in the air <laughs> i could sit in the <laughs> airport i could sit in the terminal surrounded by three <laughs> people but if somebody put a cage in the middle of the yeah. airport and they started fighting, it, so that's just me being stupid. Yeah. But that, that did go through my mind as as I'm sitting there in a group of people wearing my N95 mask for for six hours in a row. But um, uh, as have you seen anybody in the bubble out there that uh, obviously without naming names, has there been any anybody that's kind of rejected the the thought of how this is going down or, or really maybe had to be uh, kind of slapped on the on the on the ass a little bit for. Not wearing masks. Uh, there, yeah, and stuff. There,
2: there, there were a few. Uh, I'm not going to name names, uh, yeah. but we, uh, it, it was taken care of on the mm-hmm. first show and it hasn't happened since. Um, there, there have been a few that have been, you know, uh, not. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a jerk. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to <laughs> be mean to anybody. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? There have been a few people who just don't feel like the protocols are necessary mm-hmm. and that they're overkill. And so they take every precaution they or take every chance they, they get to kind of push back on them a little bit. Um, me, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm a sheep, but I don't know. I'm going to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, uh, yeah. I worked in an OR for nearly 20 years and, you know, every morning you had to sit there and wash your hands for five minutes before you ever did anything at the beginning of the day. You had to use a little scrub brush and you had to take your thumb and each section do like mm-hmm. so many things. Like sure. I'm, I'm used to doing like, like crazy overkill shit in the name of medicine for a long time. So this is not weird to me, <laughs> like wearing the mask and having the, you know, do all this extra stuff. It's I don't know. Uh, It's not that weird to me. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I understand that other people just aren't used to it. So, you know, I'm willing to, to hear everyone out but I'm always going to do what I feel like is best for the people around me.
1: Yeah, you know, well, that's
2: like that... operating as well.
0: I mean, that's, that's kind of the point of it though. Like we had, uh, at the beginning of this whole thing, we had, um, uh, Dr. John Lucas on who's a ringside physician. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things we said when we were talking with him, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what you really think about it. It's, it's really more about consideration for your fellow man and exactly. you know, the people around you. So, I mean, like, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm training and stuff, but it's the same, like dozen people I'm training with and uh but you know outside of outside of that i mean i, I wear the mask for everyone else I, I i haven't been close to my parents since this whole thing i mean i go to the house and help them out but they're literally literally on the other side of any room that we're in together and i oh, know, wow. my mom's yeah. usually got me doing uh labor you know she, my mom's got me climbing on ladders and shit anyway so <laughs> I'm, I'm always i'm always far away from them so it's just kind of like it's always just kind of—it's just one of those things where it's like it's—it's just—it's just to be considerate. And I would imagine in your profession, being you know not, now that you're able to do it again in, in in some fashion for you, it's just like if this is what I have to do so I can get paid, then then I'm going to do it. And I would imagine the fighters but, think the same way.
2: I I had uh you know, uh, people from like my gym owners and stuff. You know, hey man, haven't seen you in a long time. And I'm like, no, you sure <laughs> haven't, and you sure won't because. <laughs> uh you know uh i need to work and i may mm-hmm. be even if i'm not worried about getting sick maybe i think i'm so healthy or whatever which i mean i'm probably not i'd be the first one to end up on a damn event you watch that's just my luck but uh, <laughs> like uh i'm like i can't test positive and be out of work again i was out of work yeah. from March until now you know what yeah. i mean so i just can't take the chance i mean you you guys should see me you want to see overkill like Like I'm having my groceries delivered to the garage and I'm out there like wiping them down before they're even in the house. You know what I mean? Like no chances on this end of a positive test. I got to work. I got to, you know, I got to eat. You know, we were lucky that we had money saved up to deal with something like this, but that's not an endless fund. So yeah, Uh, that's the way I look at it. And you know, it's just the, I live in an area of Florida that's surrounded by people of a vulnerable age. You know, I live very Mm. near the villages, which became famous for a completely other reason recently. But, uh, (laughs) you know, they're all like, you have to be uh, 55 or older to even live in there. That's the majority of the population around me. And the last thing I would want to do is be in an airport, catch, you know, this, be asymptomatic and spread it to a, you know, a group of 65 year olds. Yeah. Um, I would certainly be going against any oath I took as a healthcare professional.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, there's times and places where, you know, maybe a mask isn't as necessary, but I don't think it's the hill that anybody should be dying on right now. Um, yeah, exactly. it, you know, Is that's, that really just, yeah. that's a great, if you've got, if it. you've got time to make that's that battle. It, yeah. If you've got time to make <laughs> that battle, then you, you need a better life, you know? So,
1: yeah.
3: um, but so, so, okay. So now Bellator's rolling. You, you've had, I was thinking two events. I forgot about the Bendejas Pettis card. I was thinking of the bigger one. We had the, the massive Chandler Henderson fight, um, where Chandler's Chandler solidified himself really to the world. I think Bellator knew and Bellator fans and MMA fans knew about knew him. I mean, I, I've, you know, Ed and I, you, we've been watching the guy for, you know, 30 fights now, yeah. but, um, uh, but I think that now that he's a free agent and he kind of called out the UFC in so many words, or he called out worldwide lightweights, um, now he's, now he, that was huge for him. It, it got Bellator a little bit of notoriety because now you got this big free agent kind of coming off their show. Uh, what do you, if you, you know, if you could give a percentage, What percent chance do you think he stays with Bellator? Ed and I have had conversations about it, positives and negatives um, for him. Do you, do you, I don't even have to give a percentage. Do you think he stays
1: with Bellator or or do you think he, okay, Uh, (laughs) 10%,
2: 10%, maybe, that he stays with Bellator? I think it's extremely low chance. Um, I don't think it's because we won't offer him enough money or anything like that. And I don't think it's because he's unhappy. From everything I know, he's he's Mm -hmm. perfectly happy. Bellator has been very supportive. Um, I think he just doesn't have anything left to prove in Bellator. What's he got left to prove? I mean, there's just – I mean, I, I, he's – the division is his to kind of, you know, do with what he pleases. He's not the current champ, but he's always a perennial, you know, in there. Uh, on any given, you know, fight night, he could be the champ again. Um, but I just don't feel that there's any anything exciting for him, anything that drives him or pushes him as a fighter – uh, to, to and I think he realizes that you know he's, he's closer to the end of his career. Not he's not past his prime by any stretch, but I think that he realizes that the downhill swing is you know closer than further. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I think that that's that's where his mind is at. It's where mine would be at. I think we're on I, the same I, page. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I feel like too. I mean, for him, it's got to be a, a, a something he wants to just cross off his list. Like, uh, let me have my run in the UFC, and then. Yeah. You know, whatever he does after that, you know, whether it be him and Alvarez at one or comes back to Bellator, um, it's definitely something he's got to he's got to try to do for himself. So and and I know there's fans no, of that want to see it, too. What's that?
2: There's no animosity at Bellator. It's yeah. Like, you know, some sometimes fighters leave organizations and there's, there's really animosity, but it's not that it was just it was, you know, I you know, he gave them a heads up that he was going to be at least entertaining offers. And they said, you know, well, we would be, you know, assholes. We didn't let you do that. <laughs> so, you know, I just yeah. kind of way, you know, Scott works. And, That's uh, me, good to hear. Yeah. yeah so, no. I mean,
0: let me ask you something just because of the, obviously with the, uh, I mean, everyone's waiting to see when the, when, when Bellator is done with the zone and, and they start moving forward with Espinosa and, and Viacom CBS on the CBS sports, all that stuff. Um, Ah, uh, for you, like for your career as a Cutman, do you do you see opportunities of maybe working some boxing events as a Cutman uh, for you and your team or anything uh, like that once they once I mean, they uh, I, start I, working together?
2: To uh, mm-hmm. I don't get a chance as much as I did in St. Louis. I, I did it fairly often in St. Louis. Uh, you know it's a good boxing town there, a lot of up and coming guys. But um, yeah, I, I would be more than happy. Uh, when when PBC first got going, we we talked about that, sharing Cutman. Uh, back and forth but you know with boxing so many of the boxers want to use their their own their own person and Which is completely understandable uh, That's like a whole separate podcast on the difference between a boxing cut man and a <laughs> Name and makeup man yeah. as far as like promotional hiring But uh, a lot of them just wanted to use their own people and mm. so we found that the, the few shows that we did do uh, It was just we were kind of just sitting there with nothing to do getting paid, you know, for no good reason And on the off chance that one of these guys might show up without one. So it was really, it was boring to do and it was probably not a very good investment on the part of PEC. So if there's something that they want to work out, you know, I think we'd be open to that, but we've kind of found in the past, that it's just, it doesn't, doesn't work out that well.
3: You you mentioned getting back to Chandler real quick. You mentioned something that I'm kind of curious about the UFC has a championship clause, um, where basically if you're the champion, your contract keeps extending infinitely. Uh, I don't know if there's an automatic bump in pay or how that works, but basically you can't, once you're the champ, you're kind of locked into that organization. Um, You mentioned Chandler not being the champion and he doesn't have any more fights left. In my mind, I'm thinking I wish he had one more because I'd love to see the Patricio Pitbull rematch. But hypothetically, if he won that, does Bellator have a a championship clause that you're aware of?
2: You know, we used to uh, under Bjorn. And I kind of remember uh, uh, Scott thinking it was one of the more uh, distasteful things that he found in the contract. So I, I can't tell you with 100% certainty that it's not there, but I would be surprised if it was. I know we used to, but I don't think we do anymore.
3: Is Scott as good of a dude as everybody makes him sound? I mean, I've met the guy a couple times, but he, I, I have yet to hear anybody ever say anything bad about the guy.
2: I mean, he's not, he's not an aggressive person. Uh, he, he's a, he's just a regular guy. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's everything we can do or it's not me. I don't really have any control over his wardrobe, but if he had his way, you know, <laughs> he'd just show up in like sweatpants and a t-shirt to every event, <laughs> you know, uh, he, you know, he's even told us many times, he doesn't even like attending the, the events as a fight fan. Um, he he says that you know he wants to attend the event and he wants to see it from the fans perspective everything he does is always about the yeah. fan perspective you know he wants to know what it feels like to be a fan the audience at a live event and and by the same token he's really big on uh, watching the broadcasts he likes yeah. to watch them live and see what the people at home are seeing and hearing like he puts a lot of emphasis on that so uh, he just at his heart I think is a fan and what's once what's, what's best for fans and yeah i don't think what's best for fans is berating them on twitter
0: so. <laughs> yeah no i i hear you on that i mean one thing i gotta say i i ha- i cornered him once in here in new york the video is actually on this youtube channel <clears throat> and we just talked about martial arts and he kind of that's when the whole thing with the rising uh uh horiguchi and um and uh i forget that whole wow. thing. The, yeah, that that whole thing when uh, he actually, and Nolan was the only one that noticed that that it was. He said it to me first, but we were just talking about martial arts and the history of it in New York and stuff like that. And if you watch that video, you can see how excited he gets because I wasn't talking to him about business or you know anything else. or what are your thoughts on what UFC's X, Y, and Z? Like I just asked him because I knew I I brought up his fandom of Bruce Lee and stuff like that. Like he's a hardcore martial arts like person. Yeah. Like, and, you've and,
2: never seen so much memorabilia in your life, and he's got the money to get the good stuff. Right,
0: I I'm know. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's what's like a the museum. name of the, what's the name of the, uh, the chicken and waffle place in Mohegan Sun? I always forget it. It's like in oh, the middle there.
2: Uh, hash and go-go. There. Oh.
0: That's yeah. the, <laughs> that's oh, the one. I'm so, uh, uh, this was like when I first started covering MMA. It might have been my first or second Bell event. Um, but, Uh, I went there after, you know, the fights are over, the press conference is over. So I was hungry. My, uh, I never, you know, I don't stay in the, in the Mohegan sun. I always stay down the road. So I said, I got a while before my shuttle comes. I went there to get food and he was there with, uh, uh, his team. And it was one of the nights that they aired belts or kickboxing right after the MMA card. And, um, I sat there and I was by myself and he was at the table. I was like, I'm not going to bother, you know, shows over works over. I'm just gonna eat and, and um his team left and he stayed there because they left the kickboxing on the TV and he stayed there by himself and watched the whole card yep. and I sat there and I was just watching i was like this dude really likes martial arts and that's that's what made kickboxing me realize all. yeah because oh, that, that that's his bread and butter all. yeah yeah so yeah i i uh, just
2: a regular regular guy he really is uh I, i'd that. love to get
0: him on this podcast to kind of just talk fights and stuff because i know but he see, would just the, geek out
2: problem. he doesn't like doing interviews he doesn't like doing pocket for exactly you picked up on it. it you talked to him about martial arts and he lit up he hates talking mm-hmm. about business he hates talking about yeah. he wants to just talk about like like he'd rather i think he'd rather discuss like how exciting a fight is yeah mean it and talk about skill set and like talk about play by play and like what game plan should be. He'd much rather do that than talk about the financials of a pay-per-view. That's yeah, like, yeah. not good shit. I mean, he does in this far that he has to, I think. But, yeah. uh, you know, uh, he's, he's a, a real martial art. I mean, from back in the day, I mean, you can spot yeah. Scott. If you have a quick eye, you can spot Scott in uh, The Last Dragon, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce Leroy.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: All of that was yeah. his team. And they're still all around they still all of those people from then still hang out now and they also mm-hmm. train i mean the new bellator office that we're getting uh, in san jose it's based it's not an office it's a dojo it's a full on gym with nice. like some <laughs> space in the back for a desk okay <laughs> everything yeah, cool. going to be working out <laughs> so yeah i just uh he is as nice of a guy to answer the the question from the very beginning he's as nice of a guy as he seems yes
3: that's good to hear. And, and I throw this out there and I've kind of chatted with some people in the Bellator just at stuff about it, but, you know, and not to throw my name in the mix at all, but I have, I've been to over, I've been to about 31 Bellator events and about almost roughly 20 strike force events. So if, if you ever wanted to reach out to a fan who's paid, to go to 50 of his shows (laughs) to find out what would what would you know because I go to shows all the time and I think like as a fan I would love to see that or I see a young kid coming into the arena and I'm like well when I went to the UFC in 2000 they did this and it really attracted me as far as meeting this fighter And, and Bellator does a good job with getting Fedor and Cyborg and these these big name superstars to do fan meet and greets and stuff. But I do always see stuff, and if it ever gets brought up, maybe just go, hey, I know a guy who's been to a million of your events, supported you, and and it has some ideas. You know, I've always thought, and just throw this one out real quick and not to take too much time, <laughs> but, like, the prelim <laughs> fighters. I've always said, like, the, most of the fans showing up don't know who the prelim fighters are on a big Bellator show, and the guys aren't making a lot of money. So why not, have, if there's another event like next week, why not have a couple of those guys pay them 50 bucks to stand at the door, take fans, you know, introduce themselves to fans, and – just give uh, 30 minutes at the gate. And I always thought that that's something because then a fan comes in and sees somebody who's one and O two and O. And all of a sudden they're, they're uh, They be, they, it's like, okay, I met that dude. I got a photo with him. He signed a, an eight by, you know, not an eight by 10. You're not going to get an eight by 10 for the, the average casino fighter, but you get what I'm saying. Stuff like that. So I, I've always, I've always no, thought about, you know,
2: yeah that kind of stuff. Well, uh, I, mean, I always, I think there's always room to push, uh, to push fighters more um we're 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 good enough at it i guess but i feel like we could do more everyone could always do more um to push some of these i mean uh, there are times when the, you know there are fighters on the undercard that i'm like Oop. like i have to go look them up like i'm not gonna sit <laughs> here and blow somebody's like ass yeah. and pretend like i know every single Freeland fighter that shows up on my card but uh you know i as a fan i would love that just to, i mean it's just any like You remember, as a kid, we would go to, like, wrestling shows back when Mm -hmm. it was still on the regional circuit and stuff, and you know that wrestler was never going to make it off the damn regional circuit, and yet you were still excited to get your picture with him, you know, and 30 years later, I can't necessarily maybe remember their name, but I remember the picture and how it made me feel, so... (laughs)
3: And it's not for yeah, a fan like yeah. me or Ed or, or somebody that's been around forever. we was thinking see, kids I'm, and stuff
2: like that. Exactly.
3: I'm thinking about the yeah. 12-year-old kid who shows up yeah. and he sees Josh Sandiago, San, San Diego. Or, I mean, somebody who's been on a prelim yeah. I've seen fight four times. And all of a sudden, you, you put a, na- a face with that guy. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, dad, let's get to the fights three hours early to watch the prelims because I met this dude last month at San Jose and he told me he was fighting in, in San Diego this weekend or whatever the, whatever the situation. So just a thought, but that's, that's something that I've always thought that, you know, even little posters. And I mean, you guys do a great job with your fight cards. And, and, and like I said, I have, I have no very little complaints about the Bellator show in general. Most of the people I've taken to Bellator shows um, always say this reminds me kind of of the old UFC days because the old UFC days, if you ever went to an event, their weigh-ins, they would have couture. I mean, it was open access to everybody. Um, And, and that's a lot of how Bellator has been, especially and I've said it about seeing ringside, Uh, a ringside seat for a Bellator event is kind of a party. Um, in a sense to me yeah. you're at an, you're at an event, but there's a lot going on. There's a lot of chatter. There's, you have access to almost everybody. As long as you're polite, you can pretty much say hi or shake almost anybody's hand around the cage. Um, so it's just cool. But yeah, just I'm glad to hear that about Scott. Uh, I'm glad that he's, like I said, I haven't heard anything else. Uh, how about another old coworker? If we're talking about your guys, how uh, I, I miss Jimmy Smith. Do you keep
2: in contact uh, with him? I was just talking. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, you know, he'd recently moved to Miami uh, from Florida, and now he's training down there now. Um, oh, for him! But uh, I was actually just uh, talking about him with uh, somebody else uh, at the Cricklin Challenge. Do you guys remember the Cricklin Challenge that he used to do on the broadcast? Uh, so, was, uh, yeah, yeah, with him
0: and Stephanie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sarah.
2: Or seventy, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And She would give him the phrase or the word that he'd have to work into the broadcast at the beginning yeah. of the live show. That was fun. He'd always do it, you know. And I was just telling somebody that, that that how much I miss Jimmy doing that. Um, you know, I'm happy to see him. He seems to be getting a lot more work on Fox. Uh, now, doing, like, I I, I think he's going to so
0: be I, the guy at good. Sirius now too, with Luke Thomas. Oh, so are, get, like, yeah.
2: Oh, I hadn't heard that. Really.
0: Well, because Luke Thomas Over announced he, he yeah that he's leaving Sirius. And uh, I mean, I, I'm just speculating, but he's oh. he's filled in for Luke Thomas so many times that I wouldn't be yeah,
2: surprised Luke is if going to CBS Sports, right? Yeah, is that yeah. right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, no, I I love Jimmy to death. I was there's there's not been a ton of employees at this company that have like you know every I've worked a lot of places. There's always people in flux coming and going, but like when Jimmy left, like I completely understood. Like, it was a career move. It was an intelligent career move. It was probably the same one I would have made in his, in his yeah. shoes. Um, and I, I really was sad to see him go. Like, you know, he, he we always had kind of like a big brother. Like, he was the big brother, by the way. But, like, we always kind of had that relationship where he was, like, like, he was rough on me, but in a, in a big brother sort of way. I was always, like, kind of learning something from him, too. Because he had seen and done a lot. He'd been around the fight game a lot. Yeah. You know, there were there was a lot of stuff that him and uh, Manny Rodriguez, our Spanish uh, language commentator, as well. Uh, those two really, when I first got to Bellator, I think they saw how lost I was, and and they did like a, a fair job of getting me into step with what I needed for live work, like televised work, as opposed to regional work without you know cameras and crazy stuff like that going on. So, Talk- like, for that, <laughs> I'll always be a friend of his
0: yeah no i i jimmy smith has always been cool with uh with uh fans and stuff too well funny thing about the whole thing he did on i used to follow that whole that whole gimmick he did on social and um one one funny uh exchange he and i had was rafael lovato had his first bellator fight we of course you know being from jiu-jitsu world we all know about the jiu-jitsu prowess you know knowing that the casual fan watching the event probably doesn't know about and it was lovato's like first or second fight i forget which one but we talked about his submission and grappling so much, and then he goes and knocks the guy out with a uh, head kick. <laughs> and we were like, "I'm like, we." we and then I, me and him were both just like, "Wow!" We spent all this time tweeting about his grappling, and then he goes and knocks the guy out, and makes us look stupid. <laughs> so, so, but he, he he was like, "Yeah, me too." Like it was just funny. It was funny. He's a cool guy, though.
3: No, good yeah. guy. He's uh, treated me well for no reason at all. But he's always been the coolest dude in the building to me. So glad, to, glad yeah, to hear you to keep in to touch with one.
2: Like, yeah, this this that way. Just he's just a cool, he's just a nice guy, you know. Uh, hey,
0: were, were you were you training when you when you when you were uh working together with him or, or did you start afterwards?
2: Uh I, I would I wasn't as consistent. Like I would mm-hmm. show up every now and then to stuff and he would wreck me. Uh he <laughs> is a tough role. I don't know if you roll with him, but he is a an I'd like tough to. Role.
0: Yeah.
2: He he is he is strong. He's got he's got old man strength already uh so (laughs) but he's got a grip like a pipe fitter uh yeah he's he's a tough role but uh i was training a little bit i will say that it was honestly jimmy to an extent that kind of like his again we're getting back to the big brother like me showing up every once in a while and getting tooled you know he would tease me incessantly about that almost driving me to like get off my ass and go get better Mm -hmm. so there to an extent you know jimmy was a driving force and just kind of like that I guess that like negative reinforcement to get me off my ass and actually go train. So, nice. uh, but all of our, all of, so much of our staff, we know this, uh, uh train like enroll together, like so much of the staff, there are trained. And, uh, like I, Jimmy was probably one of the first in Manny Rodriguez too, that started doing it kind of openly and inviting other people to come do it.
3: Oh, cool. Well, rolling off that, Jimmy's the guy that introduced me to Fedor, and then that brings us to while Chandler might go out <laughs> the door, uh, Fedor's apprentice, uh, Vadim Nemkov, uh, yeah. man, wow, man, man, wow. man, man, wow. <laughs> talk about making a uh, making a statement in your in your kind of your worldwide
2: Thank showcase. You. I mean, uh, we we knew who he was, but the rest of the world didn't.
1: Yeah.
3: No, okay. no. And at a time when John Jones is moving up to heavyweight apparently, and you got Cormier exiting the stage, um, you know, it, it's a time where most people that are really know the game are, are kind of leaning towards Bellator now having the really, uh, you know, at least arguably now the, the, the best light heavyweight in the world. Um, I, I thought I picked him on the show to beat Bader, uh, Maybe it was, maybe it was the, uh, the sweater colored glasses that, uh, that helped, that helped my, uh, my thought process there. But, um, I mean, I, I, there's not many dominant performances like that, especially over Ryan Bader. I mean, Ryan Bader, people love him, hate him, uh, you know, go up and down on him depending on, you know, how his performances are. But, uh, he's been a killer for the last, you know, four years, really, uh, just kind of, even when he la- I believe he left the UFC on a two fight win streak, um, you know, to uh, to to be hurting people worldwide, and then have that happen to you know the you know, a no name to the general public. But like you said, um, you were working his corner, weren't you? Were you in Nemkov's corner yes, that
1: fight? Yes, I was. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I thought I saw you there. What What was your overall opinion on the on, on the destruction of of you know a great was, fighter like Bader?
2: He he was so fast. It seemed like every time Bader just looked anywhere wanted to go anywhere there was a punch waiting for him when he got there mm-hmm. it was just like i'd never seen that <clears throat> like, somebody just on their game mm-hmm. i don't know like they were just with they, they were in the flow or vidim was in the flow yeah um, i was surprised that vader didn't utilize his wrestling more yeah um, he, wasn't sure if he was afraid of of the sambo game that nimkov was bringing uh, i i mean i know he has a like a pretty uh storied you know background in sambo but I, it's not like Bader, I, I think, to be afraid of of going to the ground with anybody. So mm-hmm. I, I'm still not sure why. Maybe he didn't utilize a little bit more of that since he was kind of successful with it. I was surprised that honestly got the first round. I kind of scored the first round for Nimkov, but I noticed all three judges actually gave it to Bader, so that's why I'm not a judge. <laughs> but
3: That was bizarre, uh, to be honest. I, um, don't, I, don't... I,
2: I have to say, uh, I was really annoyed <laughs> at some of the reactions i saw on social media that seemed to think that it was vader is shit now as opposed to nimkov is good oh yeah you know what i mean i was like no 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 can we just not can it be that Bader is good and nimkov was better tonight can we go yeah. there as opposed to saying oh well it must be because Bader sucks no you go fight nimkov then
0: <laughs> <At least laughs> yeah which out. is probably which probably hurts a lot no, I, I yeah. think that's just the, I think that's just the culture of sports as a whole. You know, everybody's, everybody likes to sit on their couch and, and talk trash, you know, to, to, you know, kick a guy when he's down or whatever. But I mean, there, but right. that was, that just was
2: felt so disrespectful. I mean, and did yeah, you see, yeah. I was, I was happy because of that. I was especially happy when I saw the reception he got when he got home where, Yeah, uh, they showed the big crowd waiting for him outside the airport. I was like, well, nice. You know, at least somebody's showing him some respect because he just pulled off a pretty big, you know, pretty big feat. And that I felt like he didn't get enough credit for in some circles.
3: Yeah, it's weird how how the losing fighter in that case tends to – it kind of reminded me of Conor McGregor Eddie Alvarez in a sense where these guys are so good – I mean, Eddie Conor McGregor's never been better than that fight against Eddie Alvarez. He was so on his game. Everything was so crisp. I feel like this is the same situation we just had with Nemkov where he made Bader look like an amateur. Yes, because he was on his game so much. Now his next fight, maybe he won't be on his game. His next fight, maybe he'll get cut up. Maybe he'll struggle to win a decision. But for that one night, he was Superman And, and 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 we see it. It happens a lot. Uh, you know, I I feel like John Jones has done it to some guys. Same kind of thing where they try to knock Cormier. It's like, well, Jones knocked him out with a head kick in the fourth round. What what you know? <laughs> it's superhuman <laughs> shit that this guy's pulling off. You know, let's yeah. so and, and and maybe Jones isn't the best example because he might be on some superhuman shit. But um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, that's my point though. It's it's just funny that it it, it it they try to downplay guys and and in Bellator it's always been. Because in theory, wow. they're UFC's little brother. That they're That's gonna always. All of a sudden, it's like Bader sucks. You know, Bader could go on a fifteen-fight yeah. win streak from this point on. And UFC and UFC fans is what I call them. I don't. They're not MMA fans to me. If you don't watch yeah, a little a bit difference. of everything, you're you're yeah you're you're not. And and I don't watch what I used to. There was a time I watched everything. Now I've I'm streamlined a little bit more into Ryzen, Bellator, UFC, LFA, that kind of. I I I can't keep up with it because we're in a world now where there's seven hundred MMA events every weekend. But uh yeah, I I, I just I, I think it's great. I, I it, first of all for the fans listening, uh uh Nemkov becomes the first Russian champion in an American or United States major MMA promotion. Um obviously we had Fedor uh in, in Pride um although Ukrainian Igor Vovchanchin won a ton of belts in Brazil and in Russia during his early days. Um, and then you had Oleg Tektarov, who was a UFC, Russian? Dagestani. Is, uh, it's borderline. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yes. Now, now, yeah. no, <laughs> um, that's, that's where is Ukrainian. So he, in theory, doesn't fall into it, but, um, but yeah, you, you know Igor Zinoviev, old extreme fighting days. I mean, you had a couple guys who made names for themselves are Russian. But in in America, this is the first um, first champion that that carries the you know the Russian flag. And um, I mean, I love it. I, I think Team Fedor. Honestly, I was calling it. I, I I think they might own three or four belts here in Bellator. Uh, uh,
2: they are a force to be to be reckoned with for sure. Uh, very disciplined guys too. You know what I like about them is they have kind of every reason to show up and kind of be the cool kids on the block, sort of, you know, and and just be a hassle. <laughs>
1: <And> <laughs> yeah, they
2: don't. They don't. No. Uh, they they show up on time. They always have all of their stuff done on time. They're where they need to be when we need to be there. There's there's no ragging them around or trying to track them down. Uh, it's just it's so nice. They're so like not only are they good, but they're professional. Like yeah, <laughs> like it's it, they're they're. The, the total package, which is not always the case, so it's it's kind of a breath of fresh air to just have such like non troublesome people like at such high levels, like holding belts. So, does he speak any
3: English? Are you able to communicate with him?
2: Uh, very, very little, almost none. Uh, Fedor speaks more than he lets on. I think for sure, yes, for uh, sure he does, because yeah. he'll definitely answer things that you did not translate for him. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, uh, he, no, Vadim speaks very, very little, if any. He kind of, like, yes, no, sort of, like, we, we have this and this going on. He uh, was actually <laughs> supposed to wrap his hands uh, that night. Uh, and then at the very last second, uh, ended up in Vader's corner wrapping his hands instead. So uh, uh, Brandon Brillhart went in there to wrap him. Uh, with. The, he's one of our other cutmen. And he is also bald and has a bit of a light beard and tattoos on his arm. And with the mask on, I guess uh, when he went in there to wrap <laughs> yeah. with me, Peter was like, oh, hey, yeah, you wrapped me in Japan. <laughs> and Brandon was like, no, that was not me. That was just the guy that looks exactly like me that also works here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, That's he's funny. Like, oh. He's like, I should have just rolled with it and been like, yeah. Are you happy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're one to know. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: All right. laughs> So that's weird then. So you, there's actually times you wrap other fighters' hands and then work their other corner? I always uh, thought you yeah, were prepared
2: Well, that again, we're back to kind of the difference between boxing and, and MMA promotions. I actually had a cut man in Hawaii get really pissed at me about that. And, uh, you know, he just never worked for me again. It was quite a simple problem to uh, solve. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I told him I was like, you know, I do this because of the, to basically to prove to people in the commissions and anybody watching at home that there is no tomfoolery going on here. All right, I'll have you work both sides of this fight so that you know there's there's no no look of impropriety. Oh, so and so always wraps his hands, so and so always works his corner. Well, now we might beginning to like maybe border on a bit of an improper relationship. Well, well, you know, I'm not saying any fighter would necessarily. I'm not going to say oh, they're going to try and get somebody to cheat. But the cut man is in the best position to add something in to cheat. And so, you know, there are going to be times where if I feel like even if I'm getting too cozy with a fighter, I might go work the opposite corner or something just to make sure that people realize that that's not something going on at Bellator. Yeah. Uh, You know, and that's something that I was actually talking to John McCarthy about that uh, just this weekend at the airport. He himself was frustrated because he does a lot of these command courses and things like that. And the commissioners don't realize the difference between the cutman. Uh, he's like the boxing cutman is being paid by that boxer and has every incentive to do whatever he needs to do for that boxer. Yeah. The MMA cutman is getting paid by the promoter and doesn't want to do anything to uh, potentially ruin that paycheck for a future show. So they're going to do what's best for the promoter, which is not cheat, versus the boxing yeah. cutman who might be incentivized to cheat. Uh, yeah. So he's like, it's the main difference, and he's like, and the, the point being is that they they waste so much time. Watching promotional cutmen work and ignoring maybe the coaches wrapping hands and doing stuff on their own that are the more likely to, you know, maybe uh, not know a rule or do something incorrectly.
3: That explains it a little bit more. Why? I mean, I I I think it was Antonio Margarito when I think back of the last guy who kind of wraps. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Wasn't wasn't didn't (laughs) they have like plaster of Paris or something? Plaster of Paris. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you know what you can do there is you, you you put the plaster of Paris in the tape. And then as you start to sweat from having your hands in the gloves, you know, it hardens up into a cast. So when you first get checked out, there's nothing in there. You know, the, mm. the commission can come along and feel your wrap and, hey, you're good to go. And then once your hands start to sweat and, and get get moist, uh, then you're you're going to have a cast on your hand. And, wow. you know, and then there's all kinds of stuff with uh, using, you know, chemicals that have smells to them. A little bit of icy hot on the glove goes along. Way whenever you jab yeah. somebody in the eye a few times with without know, all that kind of stuff. and that's I you know Bellator the the fighter is not allowed to bring anything to the cage other than what we give them in the bucket you know you're not bringing your own crease because I don't know what's in there you know mm. and I don't want you using it anyway so we're the only ones allowed to do any of that uh, just to to keep any any propriety out of it you know uh, a lot of this was brought about just industry wide uh because of the Phil nursing with GSP. Uh whether they did what was accused, I don't know. But it was for that reason that most of the larger promotions like shut down anybody using their own Cutman after that.
3: Yeah, that so makes sense. so prior to that uh, sorry Ed but prior to that I'm just gonna kind of interested prior to that point basically you hired your own Cutman? It was like boxing prior uh, to could, the Phil nurse situation
1: like, it, it was-
2: yeah, you could show up uh, at, at some points in time and be like, you no, know, you can still have somebody wrap your own hands. Like if you show up with your own coach and you want that coach to wrap your hands, like they can do that. But the commission's going to be watching you like a hawk. Uh, but yeah, back in the day too, there was, there was definitely people, and we still get it every now and then somebody shows up and thinks that they're going to cut man for their own fighter. We're <laughs> Like, no, no, you're not. You know, uh, I've had people throw like legitimate fits and get angry about it, but sorry, it's just not going to happen for this reason, look how emotional you are about not being able to do it. Yeah. No, I don't trust <laughs> you. you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a bit, yeah, it wasn't that weird beforehand. Well, you know, you saw Phil in there with grease. I mean, the fact that he had, it was it had access to and was allowed to use the grease shows that the rules were at least that lax. So. It's true. Good point.
3: Well, you got anything else, Ed? We're coming up on the end of the hour here. Um, we we'll probably talk forever, but you got anything else?
0: How's uh, how's training with uh the wife going? You still got you guys? I would imagine you're training with each other still, right?
2: Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, that's the great thing. We're both the same rank. We're we're uh, we're both like good to go and roll. We have mats in the garage that we just roll up and lay down. Uh, nice. We've been using, I, a few years back, I bought the uh, Grappler's Guide, like the lifetime thing for hundred bucks around Christmas. And that is an invaluable resource. Like, honestly, we can set it up and just be doing like a whole like course of like, all right, we're doing half guard all month, you know, and we, we can sit there and just run through Grappler's Guide's videos in a roll and then drill and roll with each other. So, you know, it's not as good as getting multiple training partners, obviously, but it's definitely better than than nothing. And it's better than yeah. a lot of people have
0: yeah, I feel like I'm forgetting we're more. Which, ass uh... off.
2: So we're <laughs> running our asses. We've been doing these virtual races, 60-70 mile virtual races. Oh, you don't do them all at once, but you you log in like ten miles here, twelve miles there. And we've I'm actually looking. We finished ten of them so far over this quarantine. We've run something like six hundred miles. <laughs> so we've been doing a ton. Of I, I was
0: I was doing good with running uh, until I had to start plugging into my day job again. But, uh, you know, can't, I can't complain. They, they paid me for two months to sit home and write MMA articles. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, so I haven't, I have when I stopped running, the weight came back up. And now I'm trying to lose that. But, uh, I mean, I'm training with some people again on and off. But, I mean, it's good that you had someone that you're home with to do it. Uh, one of my, he actually a, a buddy of mine just moved to Florida. One of the guy got me, him, we got our black belts on the same day. But he's been quarantined with with his girlfriend who knows nothing. But he's he's I been learned. just <laughs> so yeah. He's he's taught her and they're moving together. And when he and I, I've rolled before, he moved down there the few times that we got to roll. He's his offense picked up so much more because he got to try whatever he wanted with you know he just had a body to work with. So uh, yeah, as long as you have a body to work with, man, you're 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 working on something. I'm I'm forgetting stuff like. I rolled uh, last night and I was just like, I, I, my, my hips are tight and I got swept from positions. I never got swept before. And I'm like, so it's, it's like I'm falling behind. I might have, to, I might have to demote myself.
2: No, everybody's feeling <laughs> that way right now. Everybody. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if this makes me feel better. Uh, one of the last times I rolled uh, with anybody other than my wife, I caught that wrist lock that you taught me in Connecticut last time that you and I trained together. So Oh, like, nice. your knowledge is being passed on and used uh very evilly to catch your <laughs> <body>. oh, cool! <laughs> so. that's good to know thanks yeah, for sure appreciate it
3: <laughs> well cool matt thanks again for joining us uh you want to throw out your, any of your twitter handles anything anybody uh, follow?
2: i should i just realized now i see under yours that i should have put my twitter mm-hmm. handle instead of just my name uh <laughs> but it's just add an at symbol there it's at cutman that on instagram and twitter that's where i'm most active Uh, So just thanks for having me on guys. I always enjoy it. It's always fun to just kind of talk shop and chill out a little bit. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thanks for
2: joining us.
3: Uh, Fans can check us out at all access, all Check out their news articles and our podcast on their site. You can follow us at combat hour on Twitter, coast to coast combat hour on Instagram. Follow me, Matthew Hawkins, on Twitter and Instagram at MMA Hawk Twenty One. Follow Ed at Carbizol on Twitter, Carbizol on Instagram, Old Head. Uh, what, what uh, old, old Head Carb? Old Head yeah. Carb on Twitch.
0: on Twitch. yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, I, 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 now you're talking. You're being interviewed by the guy who's the number four ranked light heavyweight uh, on the yeah, yeah. 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 UFC. <laughs> Follow him there uh, until next week, man. Best to Bellator. Best to you and your family, Matt. Uh, say what's up to uh to all the guys at Bellator for us, and uh, look forward Absolutely. to being able to come back into the yeah. arena and say what's Can't up again. For you
1: guys, to be there, <laughs> trust
0: me. Yeah, me too.
1: Have a good night, <laughs> fellas. Take, Take
0: Thanks, care. Guys. Hey guys, Ed here east coast side of the coast to coast combat hour podcast if you like what we're doing make sure you subscribe on youtube and anywhere you listen to podcasts also if you'd like to help us out and donate uh, the support links are in any of the uh podcast descriptions and some of the links are also provided on our youtube channel the Blogboard jungle um thanks again for listening and if you give us some support we'll give you a shout out on the podcast maybe uh bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.